Welcome to chapter 82 of our podcast. Don't you just love it when spontaneous outings come together? This week, we traveled to the historic Chateau Mercuis. And it happens only twice a year. September means La Foire au Vin. Retailers work with vintners to put wine on sale. It's a beautiful thing. This is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we have many seasons uh, going on right now. We have fall. We have, as we mentioned, the uh, Foire au Vin. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the do you... The apparition of stink bugs. Yeah, what, how, how do you say it in French? Punaise? Punaise. Punaise. Yeah, we will... Uh, I'll include... <laughs> I was so busy this morning taking pictures of stink bugs. So oh, you... they're all over the windows and doors. And, and when you, like, remove something that was outdoors, they're sometimes inside because they're trying to look for warmth. And, and they're stupid as a post. Like, if if one lands on you, and they make this hum, like, it's, they make a hum like they're a huge bug, which they aren't really. They're, you know, the size of a fingernail. But they land on you, and you flick them, and they f- fly right into a wall. That's how stupid and useless these bugs are and, and they stink have you ever smelt one well of course okay and they really do stink oh yeah go ahead and step on one and see how much fun that is oh no i don't want to do that but oh no they're they're a stinky bug oh. and if you flick them they emit the stink it really yeah you you've smelt it you just okay, didn't uh, know it and maybe i'm just immune to it oh now? yeah because we get them every fall <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> they come into the house if, if you know if you leave the door open or a window open and i found i find them in, in the sink mm-hmm. on their backs yeah. spinning around because they're stupid <laughs> and they uh they come in two colors which is nice you know it's like <laughs> hey get your stink bugs now coming in two colors <laughs> well the green ones are here yeah, and then what do they turn brown or I think are, is as that they a... mature they turn brown? Oh man, they're just and they're everywhere. Like and and they go in the weirdest places. Like they go between the window and the you know the window stop. The so, creases they like the, the creases yeah, the in creases. the little little nooks and crannies. That's where you find them. So you open a window and by the time you close it, they're they get squished and then they smell and ah oh, they're just heinous. They don't they don't bite. Uh, they fly around and smash into things basically and smell and yeah. turn upside down. That's their existence. And I don't think they have any use. I, like I, may, I, I, maybe they they eat predators like worms. I don't know. Oh, that'd be good. I don't There's know enough of them. <laughs> yes. Um, do you have your French phrase of the day ready and handy? Already, we're doing it. Yeah. Oh, off the top. Right off the hop. Uh huh. It has something to do with stink bugs. Yes. It okay. does. All right. Espagne. Admirable pays où il y a trois choses de trop. Les puces, les punaises et les espagnols. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's from Victor Hugo. That's a terrible thing to say. Spain, admirable, admirable country. Uh-huh. Uh, they have three choices of... Uh, what is trop? Uh Three too many things. Oh, they have three too many things. Uh, so, les puces. I don't know. what is that bugs? No. Fleas. Oh, fleas. <laughs> oh, my God. Fleas, the, the, les punaises, the stink bugs, and the Spaniards. That's terrible, Victor. I know. That's an awful thing. It kind of made me chuckle. <laughs> and Victor Hugo, for those of you who don't know, 
Did he write Les Mis? Or no? Am I wrong? Uh, Les Mis, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did. Okay, so that's who he is. He's a he's a renowned uh, what playwright, author, mm-hmm. all that stuff in France. Yes, quite quite a known figure here. That's a terrible thing to say, Victor. <laughs> but that is today's French phrase of the day, and I think I did okay. You did great. Okay. You totally understood it. Où il y a trois choix de trop. No, shows. Shows de trop. Oh. Oh, too many things. Yeah, three things too many. I see. Okay. Yeah, I get it Anyway, now. I, I like the Spaniard, so... So do I. We, we love the Spanish. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not us. That's Victor no, Hugo. that's Victor. That's Victor Hugo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got uh, company coming, and it couldn't be at a better time. Uh, my cousin Linda and her husband, Sven, are going to be joining us for four or five days beginning next week. We can't wait. We've got lots of uh, work to do to get ready for <laughs> the We've got trip. a list. But they happen to be coming on a really cool weekend in, uh, for, in France. Well, it's not just in France. Oh, no, you're right, Europe. It's all over Europe. 50 countries participate. In? Um, in Heritage Days or Les, jo- Les Journées du Patrimoine. Mm-hmm. And those are special days where, where uh, oftentimes private um, uh, buildings and locations uh, are opened up to the public free of charge. Now, would you say that's a prerequisite to purchasing uh, some of these chateaus and fixing them up is that you have to let uh, the throngs through once a year? Uh, you know, there's, there's probably some guideline. Um, you know, that'd be a deal breaker for me. I know that sounds uh, terrible. It's two days a year. Yeah, I wouldn't. And and um, you know, no. there there are seventy thousand events that I, are being I, I, I didn't move to France to have hundreds of people go floating through my house. I don't know that it would be hundreds of people. Well, anyway, I, I, it's admirable. I'm going to say that, but it just wouldn't be for me. Well, there is a chateau on the other side of the Lot River, yeah. which is very close by, which is privately owned by a lawyer in Paris, mm-hmm. and he will be giving a guided tour uh, on that weekend. I wonder if it's going to be similar to the guided tour we just had. <laughs> Pack a lunch. <laughs> or a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hope it's a quickie. But um, you know, this this weekend is culturally very well accepted and and. Very well attended. In. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Millions of people uh, participate in, in these events, and you know, we've got them all over our area. Now we have a we have a couple of choices. Well, we probably have more than a couple, but mm-hmm. two of note that we've been wanting to see. One is that particular chateau. We only see it kind of from the other side of the river as we're coming into Port-au-Pen. Yes. And it looks really interesting. And our friends Olivier and Segling have been there, and they say it's worth going. Mm-hmm. And it's it's under uh, uh, repair right now. Like he's refurbishing the chateau. Still. Still. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know, th- these are ancient buildings. There's a lot of work to be done. Right. Uh, there's another chateau in Montflanquin that's also being open to the public. And our little uh, church down below uh, down below mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah, on Sunday. Well, no- Noyac. Yeah, the- Chateau Noyac. Well, so, so the little chapel. Um, there's going to be a walking tour, and the guide is going to explain all the vegetation that's part of Natura 2000. A walking tour? It's like 50 feet long. Well, no, no, but he's going to be going through the forest and, and identifying different plants that are part of Natura 2000, which is also European. 
Oh, okay. And that, those are dedicated areas where there are special plants, uh, f- flora, fauna, uh, and people have to you know, be very, very careful uh, when they're on these protected <laughs> I guess, areas. I guess only if you're going on a tour in the middle of the woods as opposed to just stay to the path, <laughs> then then it wouldn't be dangerous at all. But okay. All right. No, no. <laughs> in any case, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great weekend and we're looking, looking forward to, you know, taking yeah. Part. Yeah, we'll do what we can. Yeah, you know. exactly. Um, yeah, I don't want I don't want the all this beautiful heritage and culture to interfere with drinking. <laughs> oh, but <God>. uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're going to be d- doing that, and uh, we'll we'll probably have a report not next week, but the following week on whatever we went and saw. That's but, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good idea. Looking forward to it. Uh, I found a handy little tip um, for laundry. Um, Anybody who lives in our area, southwest France, knows that limestone is a huge issue. But this would also, wouldn't this go towards any any hard water area? I guess so. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, I... I I hang my clothes to dry um, if, it, if it's nice weather because it's it's the right thing to do. It's good for your clothes. It's good for the environment. And and, and when you hang like a pair of jeans, when they're done, you could bat balls with those things. <laughs> they're pretty crunchy. Yeah. So I, I went online to see if there's anything that you can do naturally to be able to soften up your clothes and, and you know, not eliminate completely, but, but lessen the wrinkles. And they say simply to replace your softener. Um, if you're using an, an additive, with, oh, replace the softener with vinegar, white vinegar, not cleaning vinegar, but vinegar. Can you do both? I don't think so. Oh, what? Because it goes into that little that yeah. little dish, that little compartment. Uh-huh. So I haven't tried both. I, I, I what I did is I did a, a ran a load with the normal laundry detergent and then with the, the appropriate amount of vinegar, and hung the clothes and a noticeable difference. Hmm. And I wonder if that would apply to, like, back in Ontario when we had hard water. And the thing is, we had a soft water. We, we probably need to get some sort of treatment plant going here because this cow care is just murder on the faucets. Murder. And, you know, it's it's probably not great for the washing machines either and stuff. So Well, the vinegar has the added bonus of, of cleaning out the calcaire from the machine. Yes. So it's it's good for the machine. It's good for the clothes. It doesn't harm the environment. Yeah, like it clean. If it, when you get the CalCare on your sh- uh, shower glass, that's the only thing that takes it off is yeah. the vinegar. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a miracle. Some people only use vinegar for cleaning, whether it's cleaning your faucets, cleaning clothes. Cleaning. Yeah, but then your house smells like a fish and chip shop. You know, <laughs> only for a limited time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, if anybody's looking to soften their clothes and want to give it a try, I, I recommend it. It did improve the state of the clothes. So uh, we've got, uh, remember a few episodes ago, we were talking about the boxwoods because we went to that garden of boxwoods, right? Remember the big garden? Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I've been trimming the boxwood and we blinked and now we've got the worms in the boxwood. Piral. And, uh, yeah. And it's an infestation in Europe. Like, it's a problem. Some people are no longer planting boxwood because they're so invasive. Well, and, and, you know, it's interesting because I thought, I was told (laughs) that you only need to spray the boxwood twice a year. 
but we recently ran into some folks who said, no, nah, you pretty much have to be on that once a month. And we have a really long, beautiful, tall row of, of boxwood. So we decided to splurge and get a, you know, like a Makita style sprayer that works off of the 18 volt batteries that you use with drills and stuff. So that's on order. It's going to be here. And then we found some organic stuff that we're going to spray that you dilute, on. Yeah. That you dilute. And you, and you have to be very, very precise. Spray both under the leaves, on top of the leaves. Make sure you get the That's, whole area. It's going to take all day. It's going to take a long time. And you have to do it at night and make sure that there's no rain in the forecast. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, that won't be a problem here right now. <laughs> no. That's for sure. But uh, in the process of all this, uh, we didn't want to have the delivery brought to the house because we've just had, you, you've, if you've been listening to the podcast, we've just had... So much difficulty with people always calling, where's your house, and blah, blah, blah. So what you can do is you can have it dropped off at a nearby depot, yeah. which is typic- typically like a convenience store or a hardware store mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, and each like each transporter has a different location. Like right. UPS delivers at one place, and Colissimo delivers at another place. And so in this particular delivery— Funeral home. <laughs> Funeral home. It's not a funeral. I have home. to go. I have to go and pick up a sprayer at a funeral home. Where's the package? Oh, it's over there by uh, Jean Marc. He was killed in a car accident last week. Okay, there are yeah, no. Uh, I mean, no, you, come you on. misunderstood. It, it's it is for f- headstones and and <laughs> and urns, but it there are no dead bodies inside that shop. Okay. So you don't have to be oh, I see. I worried it was, about that. I thought it was like a funeral home. It's not a funeral home. It's for but headstones and, and urns and things that have to do with but everything's cemeteries. So, everything's so weird here. So you go pick up your packages at the tombstone place. Uh, <laughs> we get our dog food from, from the Esso uh, garage. And the best wine in the area is available at the garden center. <laughs> This is such a weird place. But think about it. We've been here long enough that we've discovered this. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> and, you know, again, we had to we had to mail a package today. And, you know, you have to plan your day around this noon closing. Yeah. Like it, we did our walk with the dogs and then got back and we've, we've got to record the podcast and do the grocery shopping. Thankfully, you know. We can do the grocery shopping at lunch hour, the one one of the few things you can do it, you know, between noon and two. So then we got to boogie over to the post office before we do the podcast. And yep. your, and your day is actually run by looping schedules, around yeah. Yeah, the lunch thing here. Yeah. Well, you, you did a really good job. You went in by your by yourself and you were able to fill out the the label twice. <laughs> well, that wasn't my fault. Okay. It wasn't my fault that I had to fill it out twice because she took a look at the package and gave me the five kilogram and under uh, uh, label f- form to fill out. Uh-huh. And then she grabbed it and she goes, oh, this is six. You have to this is a different form for, for five and over kilograms. It's a different color. So I have to redo the whole both addresses and names. And wow, wouldn't you, th- wouldn't you think to take the package first before you hand the thing over to the English guy? <laughs> oh, anyway, it's done, and uh, you did a really good job. And I, I, I was standing by, and I heard you speaking with her, and mm-hmm. and you understood what she was saying to you. So yeah, no, no, it was fine. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm fearless when it comes to this stuff. I, 
I'm, I'm sure they would laugh as I leave, but I, I don't really care because I'm not, I'm not, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw yourself into it mm-hmm. or you're just never gonna yeah, nope. overcome it. Nope. You did, you did really well. Yeah. So, uh, that's that, that little piece of gear that I had to send up north. Where is that place? It, Etable? Is that what it was? Etable sur mer. Sounds like it's next to the ocean. Yeah. I, I would say it's on the ocean. Yeah, way sur up mer. there. Yeah. Anyway, sounds cool. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of a, a, a weird story that happened here in France. Before we get to our amazing day at Chateau Merquez. Yeah, well, it, it made the headlines on all the news reports. And it's the fact that there is um, a, a law, um, a recent law that explains explicitly bans um, the abaya, which is a Muslim robe. Now, is it just, this law is just intended to address that issue? Yes, because there are, there's a law that was uh, written in at, in 1905, I guess, that um, made it so that schools were secular. Public schools. Public schools. State-run schools. Yes, so, you know, all religions are allowed. None are favored. Um, so, you know, they they want to make sure that those institutions remain secular. See, and I got to say, I am a, f- a huge proponent of separating church, state, all that kind of thing. If, 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 if the money of, from your taxes is going towards public schooling, mm-hmm. there should be no... Uh, religious component. This is my thought. This is my opinion. So I like, and because here's the other thing. When you start allowing this, that, and the other thing from this religion and that religion, then it is a poop show. Mm -hmm. It's just like, as opposed to, nope, here's the rule. No religious, like, significance on your person when you go to the school. And then it's done. Yep. And the rule applies to everyone. Yes. So, you know, a few, uh, and mainly young women, arrived to school wearing their abaya. And they were told very, uh, you know, diplomatically that there's the law and you cannot wear that garb in, in, in the classroom. And... Uh, a, a good majority of the young girls just took c- took it off. They had jeans and T-shirt underneath, not a, or whatever they were wearing uh, underneath, right. uh, and uh, it wasn't a problem. Some just turned around and and went home. But you know, there was the angle that they were, you know, saying that the French are, are you know, maybe racist. And well, the the one the one thing that kind of bugs me about this is why did they have to? If they've already got a law in place mm-hmm. about about religion, and you know, and that includes you know the crucifix and crosses yeah, and that yeah. kind of, it includes any all religion, reli- any yeah. re- anything, all religions. So why did they feel the need to address something so specific well, with maybe, an, with another law? Well, maybe it wasn't being respected the the original law, and so the, I, I think the the thinking was that they had to make it more. Clear. I wonder. I wonder if they could have instead made a law that said that that that, that was sort of an an addendum to the original law, and and maybe a paragraph to include, you know, uh-huh. and then list everything that you could possibly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, sure. As opposed to single, because when you single it out like this, it does sound fishy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it's interesting because Gabriel Attal, who is the education minister, uh, he is going to be implementing some trial runs on different schools 
where students have to wear a uniform. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was a kid, yep. I went to school where we wore uniforms. You wear them. Villa Maria. You know, I have to say that it was a really good thing. Because, I love it. Yep. Because, you know, you did. first of all, you didn't have to wonder what you were going to wear. And there was no class competition, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because demographically there were some students that were from a, a much, uh, you know, a higher uh, income range. Right. So, you know, if you could wear whatever you want, then they would be wearing the fancy clothes and if it's the great you equalizer. Know, equalizer. Yeah. Everybody's wearing the same ugly damn tunic. And and by the way, when, when we first met, do you remember that I was so against that and then mm. that's all you needed to tell me and I completely <laughs> flipped my opinion yeah. on it because yeah. it makes so much sense. Yes. Everybody is equal when they step through those doors and I think you can apply it to, well, it certainly solves the religious mm -hmm. uh, uh, issues as well. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a trial run to, to begin with, mm -hmm. but we'll see if that becomes eventually something that happens in, in state-run schools. Well, uh, you know... As I said earlier, I'm, I'm all for keeping you know uh, the learning as the learning, and and you know I, I think um, I'm not certain on this, but I, I think if you are ultra religious in any way, there are religious schools that you can send your kids to, and that if if so, if this bothers you, maybe pursue that end of it. Yeah, go to a private school. Private school mm -hmm. where where religion is a part of the curriculum. But when it's public money, so public schools, state-run schools, I totally agree with uh, making them completely secular. And then you, you, you take your religion on the side. Yep. You know, we uh, didn't really know what we were going to do this week on the podcast in terms of like a special spot to go. And I, I, I was, I was originally thinking. Well, we've been to uh, the Cahor region many times with with our wine tastings and that sort of thing. But when we first came here, we actually went to the village or the town. It's actually a fairly large city. Yes, and we enjoyed it. So I said, why don't we just go revisit that and take some pictures of Cahor? And then you found right. We had talked about going to the Chateau Marquez um, several times, um, but our our dates were kind of off because it, it's a real seasonal kind of uh, experience. Experience. Yeah. Well, it's a whole. It's, it's so. Here's the thing. It's a castle. And man, are you going to love the photos on the Facebook page that Jeff and Julie moved to France? But it's it's so it's part of a hotel chain. It's got a Michelin star restaurant, and we've we've just long wanted to go there. Well, it's part of the Relais et Château Association, and that is a huge association in the world. There are five hundred and eighty establishments and restaurants, and they're highly rated four-star, five-star hotels. Oftentimes, the restaurants are Michelin star. Uh, and, and most are family-run. Um, and the, the, the Chateau Mercuez is family-run. Uh, it has a private owner. Really? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so this started back in 1954. So since then, um, there have been chateaus that have joined and establishments that have joined. France has the most of them, 150. Okay, and, uh, and wasn't one of them the Saint Emilion place we yes, went to? Yes, le, le, le Pavie mm -hmm. um, is also a relais et château. Now Canada has relais et château, and we actually have stayed overnight and eaten at one of them. Okay. Uh, I think it's the equivalent of the Bam Springs Hotel, but in Ottawa, correct? No. Oh, no. 
Okay. Uh, is it the Bam Springs Hotel? Good uh, no, 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 the one that we stayed at. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I've never been to Mamphitha. No, eh? No. Oh, man, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Bam's beautiful. It's on my list. We used to ski there. Um, hmm, you got me. What, which which is it? Langdon Hall. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Right in Kitchener. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful establishment and, and oh, the food, part of the chain. Food there is outstanding. And we, yeah, we had a really good stay at uh, Langdon Hall. Yeah. So in, in Canada, there are 14. Uh, oh, okay. Members of this association. Well, I'll bet you Banff Springs Hotel is one. Of them. Most likely, you know. Yeah. And and as is that, what's the one that's like that in Ottawa? Why, why am I? Oh, uh, Chateau Laurier. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. We'll have to look that up. But uh, oh yeah, Langdon Hall. What a great spot. By the way, if you ever want to do kind of a uh, a ritzy weekend, that is the spot. Uh, especially in the fall, it's just beautiful there. Mm-hmm. Like right now, just gorgeous there. Yeah, the accommodations, and it's in the middle of the countryside. Yeah. It's it's beautiful for walking. The food is crazy good. Neat bar. And there's a spa. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. this place we went to um, the Merquez. It first of all the history. Okay, what about that tree? Oh yeah, oh. there was a tree. It was seventeen eighty-two. A cedar, and it was planted in seventeen eighty-two. Got a lots Lebanese of pic- cedar. Got lots of pictures of that. It's huge, mammoth. Uh-huh. I mean, the trunk alone, but then it just it stretches and goes all over the place. It's a huge, huge tree. Yeah, you know, and and the, it, this is a, a you know a medieval started in me, medieval times, and and you know started you could you could tell the parts that were kind of added on and yeah. and were newer. Well, so when did it start and when did it end? I I think it started in the in the thirteenth century. And ended in the 17th, but they've been refurbishing ever since. Wouldn't that be, you know, think about this. So that's 400 years from top to bottom. Can you imagine? <laughs> you, you, you know, so what do you want to do with the house? Well, we'd like to redo the basement, uh, uh, probably the, the kitchen. I'd like to add a pool in and maybe a garden uh, kitchen <laughs> out there, and, and we'd need to redo the roof. Oh, okay. How long? 400 years. <laughs> well, at least you could pay over time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, because when we were sitting there in the courtyard eating our lunch uh, yesterday, we noticed that there was like half an archway mm-hmm. and then something something newer, I guess, when newer, so the 15th century, was growing up, you know, it was a tower, actually. They'd built a tower and it cut half the archway off. Yes, yeah, it's true. And you see this all the time with some of this uh, ancient architecture. And it's, it's to Julie's point, it's a build-on. It's something... Yeah. Somebody else wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. But lunch was delicious. We ate at, at the bistro, mm. not at the, the Michelin star restaurant. That only serves the meals at night. Was that the restaurant right next door? Yes. Oh, okay. I think so. Okay, yeah. It, everything looked really nice. And we decided to check out, a, forgot to take pictures, but we decided to check out a couple of rooms just to see if maybe we wanted to go there sometime. And maybe we will. It's pretty cool. Yeah. The view. Oh. It's breathtaking. Overlooking the Lot Valley, yeah. So and and, and the Lot River, mm-hmm. so it's it's great. And there's a, a semi Olympic sized pool there. Yeah, luscious grounds. It was uh, it was really um, a very interesting visit. And again, this is under an hour or around an hour from our place. This and and this was in a completely different direction. The drive that we took was incredible, and it was right during. 
I'm going to say we're in the last couple of weeks uh, of the grapes hanging on the uh, vines. So I took some pictures of these. The the grapes are just gorgeous right now because they're just rich purple and <laughs> just hanging there ready to be harvested. So uh, it's through all these vineyards in Cahors and then you get uh, to the Chateau. And I, you know, I highly recommend if you're in this area that you at least just pop in for lunch because it was just – it was – oh, the service – well, it's uh, it's top notch. Yeah. I mean, it's that's what you expect with a Relais Chateau uh, establishment. It, it, you know, it, the personnel really like very nice. Spoke English. <laughs> I got to tell you, I got to tell you something funny that happened. So I'm trying to use my French, and some <laughs> words sound like other words, and sometimes I get it screwed up. And so they had. <laughs> They have they had three red wines, and right. I was just kind of asking about the character of the wines, and she goes, you know, and I'm I'm listening, and I'm getting a lot of it, uh, and then she said that this second wine and plus de chien is that what she said is more yeah plus de chien plus de chien and I and I say uh, et les, les premiers uh, selections uh, pas de chien and she <laughs> so what I what I basically said was dogs instead of oak yeah. chien is oak chien is dog so I said pas de chien and she laughed and then in English she said no there were no dogs uh, hurt in the making of this wine <laughs> or we use no dogs with this wine so yeah they, they've they've got a winery yeah and and they have a very good reputation um and uh i think they've got 38 acres or hectares um with mainly uh the malbec which is mm -hmm. very well known in in the Cahors region but right. they also do a chenet hmm. so they've got a, a a white varietal right so interesting well we didn't really uh, get the benefit of the foire au vin uh, there, uh, that's for sure. I don't think I don't think that the wines go on sale at a place like this. No, it's it was, not. The, it was not. a little pricey, but over <laughs> uh, uh, anyway by the yeah. glass. Yeah. But um, the, the the rest of the country is going to start to benefit from the big wine sale, and maybe uh, you could uh, elaborate on this and where did it come from? Le but Foire au Vin. Yeah, it's it's almost fifty years old and was started by the entrepreneur Edouard Leclerc. Oh, so the the shopping. Or the Il grocery Claire. store. Yeah, Claire. He, he, I think he was from northern France, and he decided that he would help out um, the winemakers by having a sale so that they can get rid of their old vintages and make room for the new ones. Oh, I see. And he thought it was also kind of an opportunity for people who maybe weren't as uh, knowledgeable to try different wines at a bargain. So um, he he's the one who started this whole thing. He's pretty. He was pretty amazing. He's since uh, deceased, but he there are seven hundred and twenty locations in France. And it's it's the it's the go to. I mean, they have other like Intermarché. They have other places, obviously, that you can get your your groceries. But uh, oh, I think they've got like the lion's share of, yeah. of the market. And Claire also has hardware, like a you know they have and hardware store, gas station. Yeah, uh, they sell energy. Energy, right? <laughs> yeah, and they they create energy. They have uh, the solar panels on the parking lots, yeah. which is brilliant. Yeah, and I I remember when we were driving in Port. I don't know if you were on this trip and uh, when we took a bus tour it to, in Portugal, um, but we drove by. Probably not. A, another Ile Claire. 
in Portugal. Oh yeah, right. So there are it, there are many, hun- mm-hmm. uh, probably a hundred Leclercs across Europe that aren't in France. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. but it's a it's a great. It's, it's a big a, sale. It's a big sale, and now every store, um, grocery store. Um, has dates like they've got a window to um, have their foire au vin. So you know, Casino or Lidl or oh, Intermarché, uh, and they're all they're all uh, staggered. Staggered. Ah, okay. So Leclerc is at the end of oh, the month. So- Okay, and then you get the big flyer, or at least you can get it on your app, and it, it goes oh. through. And it's Wait. dozens of wines. What? Leclerc, they are doing promotion right now. They no longer print flyers. Oh, you got to get the... You, you have to get the app. Electronically, the app. or yes. go to the website. Yes, because they, they, uh. they you know figured out that they were wasting a ton of paper, and people weren't really reading them they were just chucking them so and those that want to will go search it out i right. think that's a good idea too yeah, yeah i agree but man i remember last year's flyer holy cow they had just i mean it was endless yes and yeah. really good deal. really good discounts like 30 40 percent on mm-hmm. these on these wines yeah no it's a it's it's good it's a good time if you have a seller to you know stock up and uh, do your research and uh, many of these these uh, retailers also have online services Ah, so we'll have to check that out because we had a problem with our last online service. The delivery was just abysmal, so we canceled them. But maybe we should uh, look into that. Yeah, uh, why not? And this weekend, Tournon, which is very close to us, about 15 minutes away, has its inaugural Foire au Vin celebration in the village. They're going to give this a, a kick at the cat. That's the first one. Yeah. Well, they're, they're the same committee that, that organizes uh, oh, the, La Foire aux Fleurs. On May 1st. On May 1st. Um, they are organizing this. Apparently, they're going to, there's going to be 30 different... Kiosks, yeah. They're going to have, like, wines from the region. They're going to have, you know, the other things like honey and, what, truffles and... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, all of the uh, jams and jellies and... Yeah. and uh, so the duck confit and <laughs> oh yeah, there'll be a lot of that. Uh, so on next week's podcast, we will let you know uh, how that whole show went, as we have plans to attend over the weekend. So we will talk to you with chapter eighty-three then. À bientôt.